How's everybody doing today? You know, during quarantine, it really gave my family and I an opportunity to binge watch some shows. And one show that my family and I really got into was The Flash. You know, truth be told, the Baobach household is a little bit of a superhero enthusiast uh, family atmosphere. We like our stuff. My son is a little bit more into the Marvel stuff. I'm kind of a split decision type of a guy. But we really got into this, the Flash shows during our time in quarantine. And one thing that was interesting about the Flash is he was always so worried about the future. He was constantly trying to run as fast as he could to get into the future to try to fix something and change it a little bit because he was so fearful of what may happen in the future. You know, so often our fear of the future that we have consumes us. I mean, can we just be real for a moment? If you're like me, there's times when we are just so afraid of what may happen tomorrow or next year or next month. And because our fear of the future, the unknown is so great, what it does is it creates doubt for us. Fear of the future has a tendency to create doubt in the present. That's what it really does. And there is a war going on within our minds. And that war is between God's promises and our doubt in Him. Let's just be real. We have a war in our heads, and that's what it is. God's promises that He, prov he provided for us, and our doubt whether those promises will actually come true. This struggle began at the beginning of time when Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden. God gave them everything that there was, but then Satan, through the serpent, planted doubt in their minds, suggesting that God was holding out from them, that they were actually missing out on something even better. And this battle is still being fought in our minds today. And it occurred with a man known as the father of many nations. His name was Abraham. Today we're going to be taking an aerial shot of a story in Abraham. And we're taking this big picture view of, 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 of a big story that's going on. This story occurs in Genesis 16 through 22. And there's a lot of ground we're, we're flying through. And as I said last week, we're not going to be able to hit every single detail about the story. And I really encourage you to take some time today or this week to sit down and read Abraham's story in Genesis 6 through 22 and see the fullness of what God was doing through Abraham throughout his, throughout his journey. And through this story, through the story of Abraham, we see a man that had a strong faith. But you know what? He struggled with doubt. The doubt that he had developed something within him that, that caused him to make some poor choices and some bad decisions. You know, the doubt that develops in our minds sometimes makes God's promises just seem unrealistic. They just seem so far-fetched. But the baseline for hope, we all want hope. We all strive for hope. And the baseline for hope is to fully realize a significant truth. You know what that truth is? God created you. And he has plans for you. That's the baseline for hope is understanding that truth. God created you and he has plans for you. 
at a time of great hardship, when the Israelites were in exile and at the mercy of a horrific king in Babylon named Nebuchadnezzar, the prophet Jeremiah sent a letter to the surviving leaders of Israel to try to encourage them. And in that letter were these words that he provided from God in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 that says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. At this time, the Israelites were at a very low point in their lives, in their journey. Beaten down by the circumstances of their world. And in those moments, they were disappointed. And let's be honest. Sometimes the circumstances of our world leave us broken and leave us with a sense of disappointment. Leave us with a sense that we're missing out on something. And please know something about disappointment. Disappointment magnifies our doubt. That's what it does. It magnifies our doubt and, and makes it even bigger and brings it out into light even more. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had everything except they could not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They had everything else but that tree. But yet they were disappointed because they felt God was holding back on them. They felt they were missing out. For the Israelites during Jeremiah's day, the circumstances of their world oppressed them and beat them down emotionally and spiritually, and they were disappointed. They were disappointed in the circumstances they faced. In many ways, doubt emerges when we have a sense that we're missing out on something, that there's something better that we could have if it wasn't for this particular circumstance that we're facing. When the circumstances of our world beat us down and disappointment increases, usually doubt is magnified. You know, going back to Abraham and his wife, Sarah, at, this, at the beginning of their journey that we run into them in Genesis 16, they were in their golden years. They were at the time of their life that he should be hitting golf balls, he should be sitting back, catching some rays. They should be enjoying their time together as husband and wife and just living life in the golden years of their, of their age. But they had a disappointment. You know what their disappointment was? Sarah was never able to have children. And let's just be honest. This is a huge disappointment for her, for them, and for many people who struggle with that. And a quick side note, as we get into their story, when we're first introduced to this couple, their names are Abram and Sarai. Throughout this story, their names change to Abraham and Sarah when God delivers them the co a new covenant for them and for their journey, just so that you don't get mis- uh, uh, so, you so you don't get confused as we begin this journey. But this is how it all begins in Genesis 16, verse 1 and 2. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. 
Abram agreed to what Sarah said. I know what you're thinking, and you're absolutely right. You got it. Their story began with them not making good choices. Their story began with them making some bad choices. And you can already see, what are you guys thinking? What are you doing? But here's the problem. When we are so consumed with our disappointment, when we're so overwhelmed with feeling like we're missing out on something of a better life or whatever it may be, when, when disappointment controls us, it magnifies what we feel we're missing out on. And it magnifies the doubt in God's promises. It just magnifies our doubt that God... Will you ever come through? Will you ever do what you promised you would do? We get so disappointed that we doubt the baseline of hope. He created you. He has plans for you. Plans to give you hope and a future. When doubt comes, when disappointment comes, doubt is magnified and we begin to doubt the very baseline of hope that God gave to us. And as our doubt gets magnified, it tends to stir us towards poor choices. Just like Abraham and Sarah. They were stirred towards poor choices because of the disappointment they had in their life. And in many ways, since our trust in God is challenged, we tend to decide, I'm going to make my own path. I'm going to do my own thing. If God's not going to come through, then I'm going to do it for myself. And by doing so, like Abraham and Sarah, in so many ways, we create bad paths for ourselves rather than trusting in the promises of God. When I was a young boy, I was in, I was in Boy Scouts, and I, I loved to go camping, and we went to um, the summer camp. And I remember one night, uh, it was dark out, and we always had a campsite right beside the lake, and all the dads were up in the corner of the campground with their, under, their, under the um, tent, under the uh, umbrella that they had, and they had a lantern on, and they were playing cards, and they were having a good old time. And I went way down into the woods, into the dark area by the lake, and I was doing something, and then I wanted to go back up to where most everybody was gathered around where the adults were playing cards. And I knew the path to get back there, but I wanted to get there quicker. And so I saw the light. And so I started to run as fast as I could to get to the light, making my own path to the campground. And as I started to run as fast as I could, all of a sudden, I got sideswiped. I ran into a clothesline that I didn't see. It hit my neck and completely knocked me back onto the ground. And I had this big old red line across my neck for the rest of the week. You know, so often... I think that's our journey in life. We see the light. We see the hope. We see the end that we want to get to. But because we don't trust the path that God gave to us, we determine, I'm going to make my own path. And then we run unknowingly through the dark, and we get knocked down time and time again. Because when we take on poor choices, it always attracts unfortunate consequences in our life. You know, Adam and Eve gave in and they ate the fruit. 
Abram and Sarai decided that they would go down the unnatural path and create their own family and all those poor choices, all it did for them was leave them with unfortunate consequences as bitterness consumed their family. You know, it's kind of like when we make our own path. Did you ever play that game when you're a kid and you put your head down on the bat and you spin and you spin and you spin and you spin and then the goal is drop the bat and try to run as fast as you can a straight line to the finish line? But then what happens? You're kind of wobbling all over the place and you can't walk straight and eventually you fall down. And let's just be real. Many of us are wobbling through this world on the verge of collapse simply because we're choosing to create our own path rather than trusting in God's journey. God created you. He has plans for you. Hope and a future. But yet disappointment comes. It magnifies our doubt and leads us towards making poor choices on our own. Abraham and Sarah, they chose to make their own path. Abraham went to be Sarah's, with his wife's servant, with his wife's permission. And so he went and he was with Hagar. And with Hagar, they had a son and they named him Ishmael. And from that moment on, there was bitterness, resentment, and strife that grew within the household of Abraham and Sarah trying to create their own path, all it did was wipe out the joy that they hoped they would get and bring in bitterness. All it did was create more disappointment. Now fast forward. 13 years later, we come back to the, to the story in Genesis 17, verse 1. And this is what happens. When Abram was now 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. See, God then came and said, Hey, Abram, Abraham, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to deliver for you. God tells Abraham that he will be the father of many nations. And then it's in this moment that God then changes, changes his name from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. And God informs them of the new covenant, covenant that, that, that he will have with them. And here is a remarkable reality. Even with all the disappointment that they faced over the past 13 years from that bad choice, the depth of Abraham's relationship with God is the foundation of his existence. And that's what we see play out throughout his whole story. Even through his disappointments, his doubt, and his bad choices, he had a depth in his relationship with God. Through it all, Abraham continued to lean into his relationship with the Lord. Through that relationship, Abraham experienced the baseline for hope. God created you. He has plans for you plans to give you hope and a future. And know this, the fruit of God's blessings are rooted in a real relationship with him. You want to experience the fruit of his blessings? It will happen the closer you get to him. 
That's what Abraham experienced. And that's what we can experience today. In the New Testament, God developed a covenant with us through Jesus. Through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we can identify in Jesus and experience the blessings that come through him. The Apostle Paul actually wrote about this in Romans 6. Let me read this to you. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are, though, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in, it, live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You see, my friends, God's covenant was fulfilled through Jesus. Jesus paid the ultimate penalty and through him, we have freedom. And this is God's plan. His, his path towards our hope and our future is a relationship with Jesus. And I hope that you experience that. And if you're sitting here today in this moment watching this and you're like, I, Bill, I don't have that relationship I have no idea what you're talking about. My life is so full of disappointments, I don't know how to get out of this. Can you just reach out to us? If you're watching this live, mention in the comments or, or email one of us. Let us know. We would love to set up a time to talk to you about how you can experience the hope that only comes through Jesus. The understanding that God created you, that he has a plan for you. A plan to give you hope and a future. We want you to experience that. Let us know if you would like to talk to any of us about how you can experience that in your life. You know, but here's the baseline for God's covenant with us. God's covenant has always been about us being identified through him. That's what it's always been about. From the beginning of time to now, it's always been about God desiring us to be identified through him. And as Paul wrote, we identify ourselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that happens through baptism. Baptism is where we die to our old self and become a new person, where we not only experience the trueness of Jesus, but we identify ourselves with him in that death, burial, and resurrection. That we say, I'm no longer me, I'm his. That's what baptism is is all about. And in the Old Testament, God provided the law. And all we learned about the law is that it was insufficient. We could never do enough. In the New Testament, the law was satisfied through Christ. And when we get real about our relationship with Jesus, when we strive to live in a way that Jesus is our identity, at that moment, we begin to realize the magnitude of his blessings. Remember something. God is eternal. 
And we need to be more careful that we don't stuff him into the box of the physical realm of our own understanding and what goes on in this world. Sometimes God works outside of what is normal to us. And it just seems unrealistic to guide us towards his hope and his future. You know, this is what Abraham experienced. God says to Abraham, you're going to have a son through your wife, Sarah. And Abraham at this time was 99 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. And Abraham laughed. He laughed at God. And he questioned God. This is not natural. This is not going to happen. Oh, that's a funny one, God. And then in Genesis 18, the Bible says that three visitors, three mysterious visitors showed up to Abraham's house. And Abraham quickly recognized the presence of God in these three visitors. You know, we're not fully sure who they were, but as you read the stories, we get an inclination of who they were. One being God and two others being angels of God who were by his side. And Abraham, because of his close relationship with the Lord, immediately recognized his presence, recognized the presence of God in the three visitors. He quickly ran to meet their needs, providing their needs for their traveling, providing them a meal, and he fed them. Now, can I just take a moment to get all supernatural with you? I believe that God still interacts with our world today, just like he did with Abraham on that day. I feel the reason that we often miss his presence is because we are more focused on our daily happenings than our relationship with Jesus. And so often we miss out on the very presence of God that might be right before us in a form of a stranger or a visitor. Think about it. Would you recognize the presence of God if he mysteriously came to you like those three visitors did for Abraham? Would you recognize him? Or would he just be another stranger that you walk by on your through your daily activities? Let me just get a little bit more practical with that. How do you treat strangers? How do you treat people that just seem different than you? Look what's written in the New Testament about this in Hebrews 13. The Bible says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. We are called to show hospitality, goodness, and love to every person we come into contact with, every stranger, everyone we th might think is a little bit different, every person we don't really want to deal with, we need to show hospitality. You know why? Because you may be interacting with the very presence of God. Have you ever had a moment where you just looked back and said, oh my goodness, that was a supernatural moment. <laughs> That was Jesus. Have you ever had that moment? I know I have. In the Abraham story, these three visitors reiterated to, to Abraham the importance of their blessings to him. And they reiterated the message that Sarah would have a son. In fact, they inform her that she will still have a son and she will have a son within a year. And then the Bible says that Sarah quietly laughed to herself and said, 
this is just crazy. I'm worn out. There's no way I'm going to have a child. And then I love this part of the story. The three visitors whom the Bible describes as the Lord in this part of the scripture says to Abraham in Genesis 18, starting with verse 13, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Will I return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son? And then the Bible says that Sarah was afraid. And then just like little children tend to do when they realize that they just got caught, the Bible says that she lied and she said, I didn't laugh. Who? Me? That wasn't me. And I love their response to the three visitors. Uh, yes, you did. You did. We know it. And in that moment, God revealed his promises. Both Abraham and Sarah, at one point, they laughed at God's promises because they just seemed too unrealistic. And even through his doubt, though, Abraham trusted God. Please understand this. Trust in Jesus must supersede our doubt. It must. You know, fast forward through the next few verse, next couple of chapters, some big events happen over the, next, over the course of this year for Abraham and Sarah. Uh, events like Sodom and Gomorrah. Then Abraham and his family moved to a foreign land and, and a leader took Sarah uh, in as, as his wife and, and Abraham lied about who Sarah was. And so it's a crazy story. Go back and read it. We don't have time to get through all those details. But after the, these tumultuous events, the Bible circles back around in Genesis 21 to God's promises to Abraham and Sarah. And then verse 1 of 21, the Bible says that now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. God followed through with his promise to them. And this is a fact that is revealed all throughout the Bible. God's word is true. God is faithful. He always comes through on his promises. He always does. But the question is, do you trust his faithfulness? Or has disappointment consumed your heart and your mind? You see, my friends, to know him is to trust him. And without knowing him, trust is really not achievable. You know, Wrapping up the story, in Genesis 22, they finally had a son named Isaac. And then God came and told Abraham that he needs to sacrifice his son. And then Abraham went on a journey in faithfulness and took his son to a place in Mount Moriah where he was going to sacrifice his son. And while they're going out, his son turned and said, Dad, this 13-year-old boy at the time, where are, where's the lamb? Where, where's the animals we're going to sacrifice? And I can just imagine the brokenness yet strength in Abraham's voice. As he said in Genesis 22 verse 8, God will, himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then the Bible says, and the two of them went on together. Here we are. A father and his son. A son that he's been waiting 113 
100 years for. At this moment, he was 113. A father and his son walking into a circumstance of uncertainty. And in this moment, Abraham's relationship and trust in God came piercing through the man that he was. You know, my son, I don't have an answer. I don't know. All I know is that God will provide. That's all I know. I don't get it, but he will provide. And I'm going to continue to trust him. And I'm going to continue to walk by his side. And because of that, God came through and provided the lamb, the ram for their sacrifice. Read the story. But yes, so often in our life, we walk through circumstances of uncertainty. And I wonder, for myself and, and you too, is our relationship in Jesus stable enough? Is, it, is our trust strong enough that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but God's going to provide. He's faithful. He's always come through. I'm not going to let my disappointment create doubt that consumes me towards bad choices. My friends, you were created by the master creator himself. God has plans for you, plans to give you hope and a future. And the journey, it's going to be rocky. Abraham's journey was rocky and difficult and not fun. And it will be for us too. Disappointment will come. And it sometimes will develop doubt in our hearts and our minds. But I urge you, to grow to know him more, trust in his faithfulness, and experience the fullness of his love and the fullness of his hope for you. Don't let disappointment, disappointment and doubt destroy you. Realize God created you. He has plans for you. He has plans for hope and a future for you. Just walk with him. Trust Him and experience Him more every single day. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank You for the goodness that You have given to us. And Lord, help us to experience You in a whole new way. Help us to experience the fullness of Your love in our life. And Lord God, I just pray for each person here. I pray for whatever disappointment and doubt that they may be experiencing. Lord, that that, that disappointment will not consume them towards poor choices but Lord, that they may trust fully in you and experience you in a whole new way. And Lord God, I just pray that at this moment, may we all lay our disappointment and our doubt at your feet and join with you and build a relationship with you. And Lord God, that you may guide us towards your hope, towards the future that you have for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.